Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. What is going on, everyone? A little bit of a free agency update. Uh, 49ers have made moves. The 49ers have lost, guys. It has been a second day that was full of 49ers updates and news. And what's up, Gary? How is everyone doing that's watching right now? How's it going, Paul? So the San Francisco 49ers, of course, got it kicked off with the news that they had restructured cornerback Charverius Ward and it saved them close to $10 million. So the 49ers freed up some cap to be able to make necessary moves that they needed to made, make. And then they went out and did what we kind of expected. And they've got Jake Brindle to re-sign with the San Francisco 49ers. So Jake Brindle, of course, back uh, with the 49ers. I'm sure everyone is kind of aware of that now. But uh, the ramifications of what that means for this 49ers offensive line, I think continuity is one of the big things that it's going to mean. Uh, Jake Brendel is going to be in the middle with Spencer Burford and Aaron Banks. And you're going to have a battery of players on the interior uh, for a few years at least with Jake Brendel signing a four-year deal worth up to $20 million. Of course, not all of the contract uh, things are out there yet. And, and right now, you're kind of trying to navigate through what exactly this contract means. But four years, uh, $20 million of the details we do know. That's an annual average salary of $5 million per season. He had $8 million guaranteed. Uh, could that mean $2 million a year as far as guaranteed money? I think we'll find out You know, as this thing potentially comes out and as the details become more ready available. Uh, but the 49ers go out and get Brendel. And the, today was a movement for uh, centers on the, on the market. It's Connor McGovern, of course. He got his deal. He's going to be in Buffalo. Uh, Bradley Bozeman, right after everything that happened, he went to Carolina yesterday. He's back. He got a three-year deal with $18 million. Garrett Bradbury, a three-year deal with $15 million. And Jason Kelsey decided not to retire, and he came back. So the center position was on display for the 49ers and the NFL market overall. And the Niners needed to make sure they brought back Brendel uh, to potentially ensure that they had a veteran at the position. We've talked about this for a long time. The 49ers like going the veteran route with the center position. Kyle Shanahan's value and the way he values offensive line, it starts at left tackle, and that's why there's no one better than Trent Williams and no amount of money they weren't willing to pay Trent Williams to come back to San Francisco. Uh, but after that, it's been center, and we see that value now with Brendel getting a four-year deal worth $20 million. How exactly it stacks up is going to be interesting especially for a guy that's 30 years old. But the 49ers haven't been uh, discouraged and and uh, away from signing older 
offensive linemen, especially at the center position, Alex Mack was just recently one of those guys. He was in his mid thirties and he signed with the 49ers. And so uh, they do spend at the center position and they spent here with Jake Brendel to make sure that they're in no rush to have to acquire a center through the draft or to develop Nick Zakel or Jason Poe. Uh, so the four yards making a move there with Jake Brendel. And Paul says, can Brendel learn not to get put on his backside and run blocking, looking for some online uh, O-line expertise because I'm not an expert? I think he can get better in that category. The The big problem with Jake Brendel is overall he's not built uh, to be a powerhouse. He's built for athletic ability, which is tremendous in Kyle Shanahan's system because the way that Kyle and this run game go with Chris Furster and, of course, Mike McDaniel before that, it's all built on angles. You're looking to get angles to be able to make these blocks. And most of the time, you don't have to be the most physically imposing. This isn't a downhill running scheme. If it was a downhill running scheme, he would have to be one of the biggest, baddest dudes to be able to move a one-tech or, you know, and a one-tech would be head up or, you know, move somebody off their spot. More than likely, what he's doing is having to get to a certain spot, whether that's on a linebacker or a defensive lineman that could be lined up over the guard in some capacity uh, that is kind of what Brendel's job is. Now, what Brendel has to get better at is being able to maintain blocks. That's one of his biggest weaknesses is his initial contact is good. He's able to make contact with a proper guy in the proper spot. The problem is one second, two seconds after that, the defender is able to disengage because of the strength of Jake Brendel and move on. I think Kyle Shanahan enjoys having centers that have the athletic ability to do some of the things that Brendel's seen as far as blocking on the edge or getting to the second level, or even in some cases, third level and make those downfield blocks. Those have been things that are very good. And in those categories, a lot of times, all you have to do is get your body in the way. Uh, when I used to coach the offensive line, I worked with them. I would tell them all the time, like sometimes it's good enough to get your body between the man and the running back or the man and the receiver, whatever the category is. And I think that's one thing Brendel can work on a little bit more is getting his hips a little bit more around, getting more in front of that defender so that he can use himself as a shield. He's also got to get better at maintaining his block. Uh, could that be hand placement? In some categories, it is. He's got to make sure he gets that plate uh, right in the front and make sure that he can maintain and handle those defenders. But also, his lower half is going to have to work with it. Uh, your strength is mainly in that lower half, especially as an offensive lineman. So he's going to have to get on that guy and then work his hips around to create a body space between him and the ball carrier. And I think that will help him along the way. Now, Chris Furster has been working with Jake Brendel pretty much since 2018 with the Miami Dolphins. So they have a chemistry and they know what they've been working on. We've seen Brendel take steps forward. Uh, so the getting to the guy, getting the right angle, those aren't the issues. It's also not an issue for him to be able to make the calls. He understands everything the offensive line is supposed to do. So he can put the young guys in positions to be successful. For someone like Banks, it's paramount. He's between Trent Williams and Jake Brendel. They understand everything he's supposed to do. Uh, so I think that in those categories, he's a high-level center for the San Francisco 49ers. But as Paul brought up, the category at which he needs to improve and could be the biggest weakness is the area of being able to maintain blocks and also not get put on his backside when he initiates contact. I think that is what he has to do. Uh, so I think changing his game a little bit as far as using his lower half to maintain blocks by getting his body between man and ball carrier will be something that he can do this year. I also think they'll continue to work on him playing with leverage, which means getting lower and lower. Uh, so I'm really excited for you know overall to see the development in year two of him starting. I think those reps were really big uh, for Jake Brendel, and we'll see how much he continues uh, to you know upgrade his game during the offseason. I'm sure he's working on getting stronger. But as far as athleticism, he's one of the most athletic centers there was on the open market and probably one of the most athletic centers overall in the entire NFL. Athleticism is not an issue, uh, but you know, strength, maybe a little bit of techniques, especially with the hands, uh, has been, and then maybe with the hips, being able to get underneath and around and secure these blocks. Uh, but it is a guy that in the screen game is going to be fantastic. Being able to reach an outside zone is going to be able is going to be fantastic. Uh, so those things are 
really good. And we got a we got a super chat from Mark. Mark says, "Doesn't Jake have problems in space? His PP is good. His pass protection is fantastic. He's he doesn't have problems as far as locating blockers in space. He has problems maintaining those blocks in space. So in that category, you're right. So what he's got to do is he's got to be able to maintain blocks. And when you're talking about maintain blocks, it means you, you use the term holding, but it's not actually you don't want to get a holding penalty, but holding them from getting to their location means getting in front, getting their their plate in the front. That's their chest plate. You want to get maintained. You want to go ahead and, and get a steering wheel so you can control them. And a lot of times it's improper hand placement. That is a really a really bad problem for offensive linemen. It takes some upper body strength to be able to get in there. But also these defensive players are so good at shedding blocks, whether that's using a rip move or as simple as just getting a wrist control and driving your hand away. You've got to be able to disengage and then re-engage. Uh, and those are some really hard things to do. So uh, you're right. It blocking in space as far as maintaining blocks has been a problem for Jake Brendel. Hopefully he can upgrade in those types of situations and get better. Uh, but I mean, he has been playing for first or for a, a while, and we haven't seen a huge improvement in that area. But as far as pass protection, that was pretty good. Uh, so I, I think that overall, Brendel is good in one area, but you're right. He needs to improve, Mark, in maintaining blocks in space. Uh, stand on it says, Coach Ant, what's the difference between Quinn and Williams from the Jets and Hargrave? There's not that much of a difference in the two as far as. Uh, overall pressure and things like that. Hargrave, 11 sacks. Uh, to me, those two players are very similar. I think one thing, Quinton Williams, a tremendous amount younger than Hargrave, but uh, Williams has done a lot, been able to create a lot of hurries, a lot of pressures, and he's been a very impact player. Both of them top three in that category in the NFL. So I don't think there's a huge difference between the two. Age is definitely, uh, but Hargrave's combination of technique moves and the things that he can do with his hands and also his speed, athleticism, and availability to get on the field are huge reasons why the 49ers want him. He missed three games in seven years. That's pretty fantastic. When you go and you watch a lot of his technique and a lot of his uh, game film, Hargrave has great hand technique, the way that he's able to use a combination of different moves. So your repertoire of moves uh, is very important because depending on play, depending on leverage at which a offensive lineman is going to try to use, uh, being able to go to a secondary move, your first one might not work. Uh, you might try to chop across the arms and use a rip move after that. And if they are ready for that, or you were headed one way and they're going another, you've got to be able to counter that. And he's very good with his counter moves. He's very good with leverage. He's very good staying on his edges. When I'm talking about edges, I'm talking about his footwork and how he handles you know, being on edges of his feet as he turns a corner, even on the interior offensive line. Uh, that is important, and Hargrave does a very good job against interior offensive linemen, whether he's playing one-tech, zero-tech, three-tech, which are all how you line up as a head up over the center, outside on an offensive guard, that's a three-tech. All those things, alignments, he's good in all those categories. It's hard to find guys that can play in all those different areas uh, and still be successful, and now we have two with Hargrave and Armstead. And what's up, Spiting Danger? How is it going? Joseph Mahoney says, what's up, Coach Ant? Glad to see you, brother. Good to see you as well. Glad everyone is in chat as we're talking about the 49ers uh, free agency so far. And Jake Brendel was a huge move, and that's what we've talked about you know, early on is Brendel, the 49ers, willing to shell out that money. I think the conversation had been Brendel for about $4 million, and it looks like his annual salary is going to get about $5 million. So to me... $5 million is not crazy when you're starting to look at the market at which the centers are going right now. Uh, Jake Brendel's annual average salary is actually the lowest of the players that have signed. Uh, Jason Kelsey, of course, leads away because he got $14.25 million uh, on a one-year deal. So his annual salary is $14 million. But after that, Connor McGovern at almost seven and a half, uh, Bradley Bozeman at six. Uh, Bradbury at 5.2. So all those guys got more money each year than Jake Brendel. Also, when you're 30 years old, you wouldn't expect the four-year deal. Uh, but to me, that spreads out the money, allows the 49ers to play some cap gymnastics. I'll be 
curious to see what the details of the contract are so we see exactly what his cap number will look like in 2023 and beyond and if there's an out clause so one thing we know a lot of times about uh, Parag is he's going to put in something the Foyers can get out from under a deal or have a spot in which they can renegotiate and push it even farther down the line with void years. Uh, so the Foyers always have some cap flexibility with the way they structure these contracts. And that's what's always interesting as contract details come out. I expect nothing different from Jake Brendel as far as this signing goes. And and what's up, everyone in chat? How's it going? Joseph says, Ant, is it affordable for the Ford? If it's affordable for the Fortnite, what do you think about signing Clowney? Osa Hargrave Armstead Clowney would be sick, and I don't think he would cost much. I, I think I've seen a lot about uh, Clowney lately, uh, especially Jordan Elliott, Splash Cousin. He's been all over the Jadavion Clowney. He did a lot of videos, uh, put out a lot of video content on Clowney over on Twitter. I think with Clowney, he fits the bill of what the 49ers traditionally look for uh, playing edge rusher. And uh, he can really he can set the edge against the run. He's really good at that. Uh, that's an area he's pretty good. Uh, he's good at, at you know being able to get to the quarterback. And we've seen him playing opposite of Miles Garrett. So to me, it all depends on what Jadavion Clowney wants to play for uh, as far as money-wise and also how the 49ers feel about what his locker room presence would be. Uh, because I don't know exactly how Jadavion Clowney is as a teammate. I've heard some negative things. I know he had a little bit of problems with the Browns defensive coaches this year, as far as he didn't like that he was getting a lot of the grunt work and things like that. Um, so I don't know where he, he is there. And I think this front office for the 49ers, it's very important for them to naturally mesh with the locker room. And the 49ers have done a very good job. I mean, Jake Brendel is one of those guys that turned down more money from the Jets to come back to San Francisco. And we hear about this all the time. Players will leave money on the table to play for the 49ers because of culture, front office, and coaching staff. So if Clowney is on the right track and they feel comfortable with him, that he's going to fit this locker room, he is a solid fit opposite of Bosa. He's able to play three down defensive end and set the edge. He's able to get to the quarterback. Um, he's not as good as the first overall pick that he was taken with, uh, but he's still very, very good and opposite of Bosa. And if he was affordable, I would be willing to do that. I do think there are other players on the market right now currently that fit the 49er system as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting. And I don't know how many of those guys have the same concerns we're talking about as far as locker room fitness. Uh, Mark says with another super chat. Thanks so much, Mark. I appreciate it. Surprised Mosley got six million with his injury. No, actually, I, I thought Mosley would get six, six and a half million dollars. I said that uh, you know for the last few weeks, I figured that that's what he was playing for the last couple of years. And because of the injury, he would get that. If M Emmanuel Mosley would have played the entire season, I do believe he would have got between 12 and 15 million dollars on the open market. He's that good when healthy. The problem is Emmanuel Mosley has dealt with injuries uh, through the last several years. So to me, uh, Mosley uh, was a guy that at $6 million, I thought the 49ers would be willing to entertain it, but they weren't. And uh, I definitely wanted to talk about Mosley with him going to the Lions. I think this is illustrating that the San Francisco 49ers are very content with Diamond Lenore and potentially content with Samuel Womack as well. Which one of them plays outside the nickel? I think Lenore, usually you go with your two best corners on the outside. So Lenore seems to be the guy that would play outside. And then on the inside, you would have Sam Womack. Now, of course, they could still go a corner, you know, in the draft. They could go corner free agency. There's still some out there. So we'll see what the 49ers ultimately do. I was surprised to see him leave at $6 billion because I thought the 49ers would be willing to match that. But apparently they had other plans. And could those plans be that they want to beef up the edge rush area, go D-line again, and they feel like they can get enough out of Lenore uh, for a cheaper salary that they don't have to break the bank with Mosley. It could be that. Uh, some of the wording I know has been played on as well. I've heard uh, Lombardi and some of them talk about the fact that when John Lynch and Kyle Shannon talked to the media, uh, John Lynch referred to Mosley as potentially depth. And that may have been a reason he wanted to go to the Lions. He wanted an opportunity to start. We'll find out if the 49ers, or hopefully we'll find out if they made a similar offer uh, but I believe if he made it, if they made a similar offer, Emmanuel Mosley be back. So six million didn't surprise me, but I was surprised to see the 49ers not go ahead and match. And Paul says Clowney takes plays off. No thanks. I think that's you know exactly 
uh, the part I'm I'm talking about. It's it's interesting to hear uh, where they're going. And Trickster says the moves Niners have made have been pretty 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 good. Uh, they've done a good job. They have. They've they've done a good job so far navigating through. They've lost more players than they've picked up, but this is the norm for the San Francisco 49ers. Players leave at a pretty high rate. They go get paid elsewhere. And then the 49ers have either built in, like with potentially last year was Aaron Banks. Uh, this year it's Colton McKivitz on the offensive line, built in guys that can take over. Emmanuel Mosley leaves, Yamra Lenore goes out. Uh, Jimmy Ward leaves, potentially you've you've already had your replacement there since last year. Uh, so with uh, Tashawn Gibson. So the 49ers have continued to make sure they have guys to be able to you know, step right in and take those roles. And that's part of being able to sustain success. Uh, sustained success comes from having a nice plan and then being able to execute that plan. And I think they've done a pretty good job. It hasn't always worked, right? Uh, Javon Kinlaw was supposed to be the the overall star replacement you know, for Buckner. That did not work out. But what the 49ers did was say, you know what? That didn't work. We're going to pivot. Uh, Kinlaw becomes the Hassan Ridgeway, the ro the rotational piece, and and then now you've got uh, Javon um, Hargrave. He becomes what Buckner was. So uh, it's a switch of players, but the overall it just kind of fits with everything the 49ers you'll know, like to do. Uh, so I think that you know it makes sense what they've been doing. And then how about them Niners? Says Justin Houston over Clowney. Uh, Houston is one of those guys that's older. Um, but definitely has been worth the money, and he's definitely going to be cheaper. I think his average, uh, you know, potential on Spotrack was three point four million dollars. That is very affordable for the San Francisco 49ers. Well, if they did decide to go that route and go with a a cheap edge rusher, they could definitely go there. I think there are players that are available that they could go for still in the edge department. Uh, we haven't seen a move there. The only move we've really seen today is the center and last, uh, and then yesterday Hargrave. Uh, was the big one. And then, of course, Sam Darnold, which definitely got people's attention uh, when they made that move. What's up, David V? How's it going? Uh, Paul says, isn't the corner in the draft pretty plentiful? Yeah, there's some good corners in the draft. And I think the 49ers know what they got at the cornerback position. Right now, they've got, you know, Diameter Lenore, Samuel Womack, and Ambry Thomas. Two, uh, you know, two drafts in a row, they drafted corner pretty heavily, and it seemed to work off. Ambry Thomas starting in the playoffs of 2021 all the way to NFC Championship game. Diamond Lenore this last year getting the same sort of experience. So they're very experienced. And then Womack, I thought, looked pretty good for a rookie. Uh, there's still some development that needs to be done there. He went from starting two games to start the season, you know, to pretty much being a guy that came in and being the first guy off the bench. But yeah, there's guys in the draft they can go for, and there's probably going to be uh, some low-cost veterans that are going to be available once this whole thing shakes out and then the 49ers can bring guys in to compete competition has never been a problem for the 49ers. And with it being a meritocracy, they don't care where you come from. If you're the best player, you're going to play. So I look for the 49ers to, to bring in somebody in the, in the secondary, especially at the cornerback position and probably a couple guys, probably a, a low cost veteran also bring in a guy in the draft. Worktall says, Ant, you think Thomas will step up? I selfishly like him because Michigan, big, big fan. Uh, yeah, you know, that's the thing is uh, I hear a lot about Ambry Thomas. Uh, Warren, that does cover two with me. He's a huge Michigan fan. He loves Ambry Thomas. And you know what? I don't know what Ambry's going to do. I know that Ambry definitely took a step back from his rookie season to the second year. Was that just something that happened because of the offseason maybe he didn't handle it right uh, could it have been just diameter lenore and sam womack stepped up i'm not sure but i look for ambry thomas to be motivated because if you're not motivated in the nfl you get passed up real quick uh, so if he thought he was going to feel very confident being the the second cornerback for the 49ers uh, that flew away in a hurry so i think that when it comes to ambry we're going to find out make or break this year could the 49ers move him that's also a possibility but right now, I don't know. But I'm hoping Ambry Thomas steps up. I think he's got the talent. I think he's got the ability. He definitely fits what the 49ers want to do. And he's an Adam Peters guy. And, and Peters is usually pretty spot on. But right now, it looks like Diamond Lenore's got a stranglehold on that second corner spot. Unless the 49ers go out and get it, make a splashy move. Not sure. Braywell says Sean Murphy bunting would be a great signing at cornerback. I like your thought process. I've seen Jordan Elliott floating this on Twitter as well. 
So to me, I, I mean, I'm with you. He's probably going to be a low-cost veteran signing. He's still young. He's only 26 years old. He could definitely come in and compete. I think that would be a solid signing for the San Francisco 49ers. I think that's a smart uh, move to make. We'll see if they end up doing that. If uh, Sean Murphy Bunting becomes somebody the 49ers target, I think as the market slowly uh, trickles down, there'll be guys that are available like Bunting that they could potentially take a chance on. Eric Dean says, Ant, do you think any of these guys can be significant contributors next year? William Davis, Marcelino, McCurry, Ball, Nick Zakel. I think the obvious choice there is probably uh, Clea Davis and Marcelino McCurry Ball uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, Nick Zakel with the signing of Jake Brendel, it doesn't look likely that he's going to be able to compete for a starting job. If they felt Nick Zakel was capable of starting on their offensive line, they probably wouldn't have went Jake Brendel at $5 million a year. With that being said, there could be an opening at guard or tackle. I just think they probably believe he's more of a developmental guy uh, the fact that they went after Brendel. Now, Zakel could always beat out Brendel. Uh, that that could always happen. I just feel Kalia Davis right now seems to be a part of the interior defensive line rotation, being the fifth defensive tackle. To me, that means he's going to get snaps for this 49ers line as they like to rotate pretty consistently. And they were very happy with what they saw when they brought him back for his three-week uh, open practice part of his pup list. Uh, so I think that they're happy with Kalia Davis. And I think he's going to get some run. And we know the way that they rotate players with Chris Kacarek's defense. He's going to get an opportunity to make plays. Very highly athletic. The questions will be, number one, can he disengage against an NFL caliber offensive lineman? I believe he can, but he's going to have to prove it. And second of all, it does he still have that awareness uh, to locate guys? I've, I noticed that on film a little bit. Of course, he's a, a full year out of college. But uh, to be able to uh, lock up with an offensive player, make the read, and then disengage. And sometimes the reading was a little bit of an issue for Kalia Davis. As far as McCurry Ball, he can be an instant impact on special teams, and then he could be your fifth linebacker. I believe Oren Burks, as of right now, will start. Uh, it is Aziz Alshire's spot. Aziz headed to, the, to the, the Titans, the Tennessee Titans. So he'll be there. He'll be their Mike linebacker. And so McCurry Ball's going to have an opportunity on special teams. I think that's where we'll see him shine. It'll probably be very akin to what we saw from Aziz over the last few years, uh, where Aziz made plays, and then eventually he was playing linebacker as one of those base three guys. And I think McCurry Ball's probably a year away from that. And look at that. Oren Burks has got one year left on his two-year deal. It could be working out perfect for the 49ers and how they develop. Revenge says Robert Quinn. I like Robert Quinn as well. He could be potential especially with a one-sack season, you would think his money is going to be down from what he's been accustomed to making because of production. Alex Folger says, how are we going to sign Bosa on a new deal? Uh, it's going to be real simple. Uh, when you're signing a, a player to an extension, don't look at current salary cap space right now. Right now, Nick Bosa is accounting for close to $20 million on the, you know, on the, the salary cap because of the way his deal is. He's on his fifth-year option. So the 49ers signing Nick Bosa to a new contract would actually lower his base salary this season. The 49ers could easily give him a signing bonus, spread it out over multiple years, and bring his cap number down. Normally when this happens with players like Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, and so on who have signed these deals, uh, their cap number goes to single digits. So you could see Bosa make $7, 8000000 million in 2023 and actually free up the 49ers close to 12 to $13 million on a new extension. Where it gets dicey is in future years. But as the salary cap goes up, it gives you more freedom to be able to make moves. So a Bosa deal is still easy to do, even though you don't you see it and you're like, well, they're going to have to give him $30 million a year. Yes, that's true. That's what his average salary is going to be. What will happen is this year will be a lot lower. And then at some point along that six-year deal, uh, he'll have some big cap numbers that are like over $40 million. What you're hoping is at those points you can restructure I kind of moved them a little bit. Jimbo says Sam can play, has some electric plays on tape. Yeah, no questioning Sam Darnold's talent level. That's definitely not an issue. He's got a lot of talent. He just hasn't been able to consistently execute. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for the super chat. I really appreciate it. it says, do you think Niners focus on off is that offensive tackle in the draft? Perhaps a trade up? If so, who do you like around 76? I think that's an interesting, interesting thought process. Uh, so I've 
you know, kind of been floating around the offensive line. I haven't really got into it a lot, uh, but I think Blake Freeland around that area at a BYU, uh, right away there's the natural thought process with the athletic ability that he could be a guy that could fit Kyle Shanahan's system. To me, I haven't got real deep into the offensive lineman, to be honest with you. Uh, so I'm kind of going off just a limited amount of film. Uh, there's been a couple of guys I've watched, but nobody that's really got me as far as, you know, athletic ability, talent, blocking that I've been willing to trade up for yet. Uh, but I think Freeland would probably be that guy that if you're going up to 76, that's who you're targeting if he was going to be there. I don't think he would start in year one. I think he would come in and compete with Colton McKivitz. Uh, I think McKivitz is probably going to have the job this year, and then you can move on. But I think that if the 49ers decided to move up for an offensive lineman right now, he would be that guy. Let's see what happens. I'm going to consistently get into more of the offensive line film. And once I do, then I'll, maybe I'll have a better idea of who they could target in that range. But to me right now, from everything I've heard and just a limited amount I've seen, that could be one of those guys. Uh, what's up, Sac Francisco? He says, geez, can last year's number one defense get any more number uh number one-er i like that number one-er um the defensive line is really solid you know i mean it really is lenore was already playing since week five he played a lot so they already had uh you know got over emmanuel mosley's injury so uh, to me they're kind of running out the same secondary they ran last year minus the nickel with jimmy war moving on to houston you are gonna have to figure that out and if it's as simple as you feel comfortable with sam womack uh, then it's a done deal. I think that makes it a lot easier for the 49ers. Stand on it says, did Hargrave catch, off, catch you off guard, coach? LOL, absolutely. That absolutely caught me off guard because I did not think they were going to pay that much for an interior defensive lineman. I thought they would pay that much for an edge guy, uh, but I didn't think the 49ers were going to go swinging $20 million, in fact. I thought that even if they signed an edge guy, it was going to be around $15 million. So they definitely caught me off guard, but I absolutely love it. It changes the dimensions of the 49ers defensive line. And the way the 49ers run the wide nine, how are you going to be able to double team Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, you know, and uh, Javon Hargrave? You can't. The, the fact that you have those guys means it's going to be very difficult. Right now, you already have to leave a running back in there to help give help or potentially a tight end to help chip on Bosa. They are one edge rusher, one big time edge rusher away from making this defensive line pretty much unblockable. And I think that's one thing to be excited about. And right now that edge rush market hasn't been moving very fast. There's still a lot of guys out there. And as long as there is the 49ers have potential to add somebody that could help. I mean, somebody as simple as a Melvin Gordon. I don't think I've seen him sign yet or Melvin Ingram, I'm sorry. Uh, I haven't seen him sign yet, and he had eight sacks last year. So to me, adding a player of that caliber that could give you a little bit more improvement than a mini Hughes five sacks or uh, Samson Ebicom's five sacks, and I think that the 49ers could be in major business. But I do believe with the addition of Hargrave, even if you put a Minihue or Ebicom out there, their five sacks would definitely increase to eight or more just because they would get singled up, have more opportunities. I think I would just like to still have that speed. Um, I don't know if he's still good at fourth tall. I don't know if he'll still be there in the third round. I, I think that he's overall a freak of nature athletically. Uh, sometimes he plays a little tall, and a lot of that goes with him being six foot eight. So I think when it comes to Freeland, those are some question marks. Also strength, you're six foot eight, but you're only 303 pounds. Helps you athletically, but how much does that help you in being able to anchor against defensive linemen that could get underneath you. I can tell you right now, Freeland's long arms would be great as far as blocking and being able to get your hands on guys first. But if a player like Nick Bosa is able to get under Freeland, he will absolutely put him on his back at his current state and physicality. So uh, there's that's why I said he can't start in year one. He would definitely have to continue to develop. So you're right. Would he be there at, at in the third round? Maybe not. Uh, so finding a guy that will be there is going to be one of those things that's going to be uh, tough to find. And then Joseph had said, uh, speaking of Michigan cornerback prospects, DJ Turner looks pretty nice. I'll tell you, he's pretty fast. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he, some of those guys have looked pretty good. I did watch some limited film on DJ Turner. Haven't got into all of it yet. Uh, but from what I saw, he looked like a guy that you know, could be in that third to fourth round range. The Fournier's could be interested in if they go cornerback. We'll see how the rest of free agency plays out. I think that's 
will give us a very good guide on how the 49ers plan to attack the draft. Uh, that was the same last year. You know, the 49ers didn't need an edge guy per se last year, but still took Drake Jackson um, because Drake Jackson was available there at 61. So not everything is going to be clear, but I think there will be some that is clear. Yes, and Aziz did go to Tennessee. Thank you so much uh, for helping answer that, Sac Francisco. I really appreciate it. Alex says, at this point, we are definitely trading up in the draft. Realistically, how high do you think we trade up? I'm not sold on the fact that we trade up. I think a lot of people are seeing that as potential. I think it all depends on how the draft goes. I was convinced last year that the 49ers were going to trade up and get an impact player to add to, add to their team, and they stood pat. And they stood pat at 61, and they stood pat at 102, and they, they made key plays there, and they got athletic players that can make, hopefully, an impact in the next couple of years. I, so I'm not sold on the 49ers trading up. I think a lot of it is how overall the draft unveils. If, if players they really like that are at a certain tier are going to fall to them, then they would probably not use that draft capital to move up. Now, if there's a player that they fall in love with that they know they need to get up and get, then that, I think, changes the situation. But to me, you let the draft unfold. You don't predetermine like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up and get someone because with a player like Drake Jackson, they can fall right into your lap. And next thing you go, you know, because you didn't have to use that draft capital, you're walking away with Drake Jackson and uh, an, another player. And I, I think that that's one of the things that the 49ers want to do is make sure they get a lot of talent. Having those three third-round picks uh, or comp picks means they have some ability, like you said, to move up. But they could also sit there and just take three very solid players within a four-pick range. Joseph says, do we get, got a comp pick for Jimmy G? If so, uh, you know the round. We don't know that yet. So it's all going to determine on what the 49ers get. So it's with, uh, with the move that was made with Hargrave. Hargrave is either going to wipe out the Jimmy G comp pick or he's going to wipe out the Mike McGlinchey comp pick. Uh, so we don't know exactly how the NFL will play that. If he wipes out the McGlinchey one, Jimmy will probably net us a three. If he wipes out Jimmy, McGlinchey will probably net us a four. So we don't know how that's going to play out. The NFL makes those kinds of decisions. Right now, with the way the 49ers are losing players, they are going to be able to get more comp picks back uh, than you know, they're, they're going to lose players. So they, they're going to have some comp picks in 2024, but we don't know which ones they're going to have and then whether it's going to be a third round or fourth round pick. That'll be determined uh, some by the rest of free agency, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, Paul says, what do you think about Burford moving outside? I'm not totally against moving Burford outside. I just think with them bringing back Colton McKivitz, it makes the most sense to keep the continuity of the other four guys. And Colton McKivitz has already practiced playing right tackle and he practiced playing in games next to them. So to me, that would make the most sense is just roll with Colton McKivitz, a guy that you drafted. You're very, you know, in-depth on what his abilities are, what his strengths are. And I think if the 49ers didn't feel Colton McKivitz was that guy, they would be willing to make a, you know, make a move for Daniel Brunskill to bring him in to play guard to kick Burford out. So I think they're going to leave it the same. I expect, as of right now, I, I think Colton McKivitz is going to be your starting right tackle. And it's basically just... Uh, McKivitz for McGlinchey, and I think that's the adjustment they made. But Burford is capable of playing right tackle. I just think I like him a lot more playing right guard, especially with the way he played last year. He looks like a guy that could, uh, with some development, be a Pro Bowl right guard in this league. Luke says, a minute he played well, didn't get home on sacks, but he definitely was close and got a lot of pressures, plus his versatility was really helpful. Yeah, love that about Charles Aminahue, the way he's able to play inside and outside. I love it. I just don't know if I love him for the amount of money that he's going to potentially get. I think if the 49ers, if the money runs up, you know, to close to double digits, uh, then potentially you want to go with somebody that maybe has a little more oomph that's able to close those down. But I do believe Amena, you would have more of an impact than he had last year, just with the mere fact you added Hargrave. So I'm not against Amena who coming back. I think he's talented and I think he would get home on, on some of those plays he wasn't able to last year. But we'll see. Uh, John says, would Bud Dupree have a chance to be the next Splash Free Agent signing? Or is he too overpriced for us? I think it's all determined on what that market's going to be. But Marcus Davenport signed a one-year deal worth $13 million to go to the Minnesota Vikings. 
and he was expected to get over $20 million on the open market. So with that being said, it doesn't look like the edge rush market is yielding the amount of money that maybe everyone thought. I'm looking at the deals right now for the uh, edge rush guys, and there have been some out there the overall and, and defensive uh, you know, defensive ends and outside linebackers have been getting paid you know, pretty good. Uh, but the highest annual salary on here is $17 million to Draymond Jones, uh, who went from Denver to Seattle. Other than that, it's it's Zach Allen and uh, Aquancro, who are not Aquancro, uh, da Davenport, that have got the biggest contracts. So with that being said, there's still those big names on the market. You know, and Bud Dupree, Leonard Floyd, Frank Clark, Robert Quinn, Yannick Ngagwe, Jadavion Clowney, Matt Ioannidis. And I literally just read all those guys in order of how they're listed. Uh, that's not including a guy like Marcus Golden, who had 11 sacks last year for Arizona. He's available. Calais Campbell, I know he's 36. He's available. Um, Ebucom uh, is out there. Jordan Phillips. There, There's Arden Key. There's still so many names out there and available that you got to think that what's that money going to look like? I mean, Draymond Jones, 17 million. That's a lot. Um. You know, I mean, so could the could the 49ers still be waiting to see what those markets are and some of those guys? I think it's possible. Uh Larry Ogunjobi got under $10 million. So maybe the maybe the market's not as bad as we thought, and maybe it is saturated, like I brought up yesterday. And maybe there is going to be the ability for the 49ers to bring in some guys uh potentially who aren't there. Uh Matthew Rowley's pissed that E-Man is gone. That was disappointing when I saw it. Uh six million dollars. I thought the 49ers would be able to match it, but they're just not able to do that and match it. And um, hopefully the 49ers are able to bring back Robbie Gold. And, and that was something I saw KMBR talk, was talking about. Robbie Gold is, I guess, in negotiation with the 49ers about coming back. Now that Matt Gay signed his uh, record-breaking deal that pays him over $5 million, it set the market for Robbie Gold. So maybe the 49ers are going to bring him back. I think that's something we're going to see over the next couple days. Alex says, so do you think there's room for 11 rookies on this team? Well, right now, I can't say there's not a spot for 11 rookies on the 90-man roster. We've seen the 49ers bring in rookie groups like this and then go ahead and move some of those guys to the practice squad. The way the 49ers go about red-shirting players, they handle their practice squad a lot different than a lot of other teams. And most years, I would say, no, there's not a spot for 11 guys on the 53-man roster, which there's probably not. But the 49ers have 53 guys under contract right now. They still have to fill another you know, another decent amount of 37 players that they have to fill. Last year, when they signed their undrafted free agents, I was expecting there to be five. They brought in 14. So with those draft picks and those rookies, there is a lot of availability to have them compete on the 90-man roster. I think that they're willing to cut guys. They've, they've proven it before that they're willing to do it. They did it last year, and I think they could do that again this year. We'll see. Uh, do I think they'll actually draft 11 guys this year? No. Uh, do I think they're going to potentially use a lot of those picks to move up? I can't say that for sure. They might be content drafting three guys at the end of the third round because uh, financially that's cheaper than moving up and drafting guys in the second round or the third round. Uh, and finances is a big part of how the 49ers are building their football teams. So to answer it, Alex, uh, it could be 11 rookies that make the 90 man that are on the 90 man roster, but I don't think there's 11 rookies that make the 53 man roster. So yeah. Uh, Joseph says, do you know if these comp picks would be for 23 or 24? They'd be for 2024. So any guys, any free agents leaving this year will give the four years a comp pick uh, for 2024, as long as they're not wiped out by a 49er signing. As long as you are in the other category, you don't sign as many guys as you uh, have go, then you get those guys. Um, let's see. Mark says, and I thought Brunskill's best position was off the tackle. What are your thoughts on Brunskill? I like Brunskill a lot. I thought he did very good for the 49ers at right at right to and left tackle in 2019. I do believe his best position is right guard. I think he's been very good on the interior, and I think that he's proven that that's kind of his spot. Um, but I wouldn't hate it if they decided they were going to bring him in and have him compete with Colton McKivitz because at worst he could be your swing tackle. And I think that the 49ers would love to have his versatility with five guys available. Uh, so maybe that will happen. And uh, Steve-O, who did Ebucom go to? I, I have not seen that. I wasn't looking at my phone. I was talking with everybody else. So 
Uh, let's see who did who did he go to? Samson Ebicom. Uh, Samson Ebicom got a very good deal. He went the Indianapolis Colts, three years, twenty seven million dollars. So Samson Ebicom, uh, as one of those guys that left. So the 49ers are definitely going to be looking for a new starting guy at the defensive end position. So thanks, Steve, for putting that in chat. So Samson Ebicom on the move. Uh, he's headed to play with Buckner, three years, twenty seven million dollars. So now we know why they went ahead and moved on from Matt Ryan and freed up some other money in other ways. Uh, so there, he's getting $11 million in his first year. So uh, Ebucom on the move, and the four years are going to be replacing that. What's up, I don't game like I used to? How's it going? Uh, Paul says, I think they will move up. Last year was an outlier because of COVID-13 rookies. I, I think that... They could. I mean, I'm not saying they're not going to move up for real. I, I don't know that for sure. I just say there has to be a player that you feel comfortable enough to move up from uh, because the odds of a rookie working out are not very good. Most of the time you get a guy in and they just haven't worked out. So if you have a guy you feel like is, is a, a must get, then yeah, package those picks together and go get them. Uh, but volume can also produce because for if you draft two guys, you have a better likelihood of one of those guys working out compared to if you only draft one. So if you're drafting three guys at the end of the end of the third round, your likelihood of one of those guys panning out is better uh, than if you package those picks to go up and get one. So uh, to me, it depends on who's available and, and who's there. But I get the I get the the feeling. You feel like they should move up. Hey, and there's a player that you like there. You go do it. So why not? Uh, Brad says Sosa just signed with the Colts. Didn't think we'd keep him. Yeah, it didn't seem like they were going to be able to keep Ebucom. I had heard uh, from the combine that they said uh, Ebucom was potentially going to get $10 million on the open market. He ended up getting that from the Colts, $11 million in his first year. So uh, props to him, but he played for the 49ers for $6.5 million. So to me, him moving on uh, makes sense. He got a pay raise, almost doubled his pay. So to me, that makes a lot of sense for him to be able to go and do what he needs to do. And now the 49ers, you know, potentially it's Charles Aminahue or somebody else that they target in free agency. I think they'll still look to bring back Jordan Willis. They have Drake Jackson. Uh, but do they want Drake Jackson to start? Is he a three-down defensive end for the 49ers in 2023? I think he will be in 2024 for sure. I think that's one of the things that, you know, I, I'm excited to see. Uh, Luke had said, what do you think about doing a redshirt year for Verhees, the tackle from USC, if he's there with one of those thirds or fourth? I think that would be a, a nice potential. He's a guy that played on the interior, pretty solid guard, uh, decent athleticism, very strong with 38 reps of 225 at the combine. And just the fact that he was able to tough it out and go ahead and do you know, the, the lifts anyways, uh, to me, was was pretty impressive. So I watched some film of him. I like him overall. To me, if you're uh, you know, willing to sit someone like you were Kalia Davis, you could keep him on the pup list all year because he got hurt in preparation. You never have to bring him up, which means he doesn't use a roster spot. So to me, yeah, he would be a guy that if you're in that you know, 199 to 102 range, you could potentially draft and uh, have an interior offensive lineman that you could potentially count on in the, in the future. I like that move. That's a good thought. And maybe it's something that the 49ers would do. Uh, Luke says, how do you feel about drafting the tackle from USC? Okay, that's I missed that earlier. Got it there. Thank you so much. Uh, Forktal says, so is Flanagan Fowles our third linebacker now that is he's left? I'm not sure Flanagan Fowles is going to be coming back. I think Oren Burks is going to be the third linebacker. And then Flanagan Fowles, it's all going to depend on what his contract looks like. I know they're trying to negotiate with him, uh, but what will the tender look like for him? Uh, I think that's the bigger question. If they're able to work out something, then yeah, Flanagan Fowles comes back, competes for the third linebacker spot with Oren Burks. If not, he's out. Uh, Marcelino McCurry Ball is in as a fourth linebacker. And then they have uh, Curtis Robinson as well that can compete for one of the back-end linebacker jobs. I think the 49ers like both of those guys. But Flanagan Fowles might not be in. He might be actually out. We'll see what that money looks like. If you were going, If you were to move up, would you rather draft an edge opposite side of Bosa and hope to draft a right tackle to replace McGlinchey? I think it comes down to confidence in Colton McKivitz. If you have confidence in Colton McKivitz that he can be that guy, he's still a very young player going into his fourth year. If you feel like he could potentially be a guy that could be a long-term option, 
then when you're drafting a potential tackle, you're taking a guy that you know you have time to develop. And I don't think they're going to draft a right tackle or an edge, uh, even if they trade it up into the second round, that's going to be able to step in day one and start opposite of Bosa or start in play of, of McGlinchey. So I think it just comes down to who's the best player. If there's a tackle in that range that's the best, take him. If there is an edge edge player there that you think could be dynamic, take him. So I think that, you know, if someone like a, a McDonald, a Will McDonald was available there, I'd be willing to potentially jump up and get him, knowing he could be the a guy that could play with Drake and, and Bosa for years as far as the rotation. Uh, but it, it's it's one of those things that's going to be uh, interesting to see how it plays out, who falls in the second round. Uh, but I don't think there is a, a distinct guy like you're like, oh, you know, this guy can replace McGlinchey or this guy can play opposite of Bosa for sure. I know they're going to start right now. I think as we get closer to the to the draft, things will get more clear. Um, Devo says Eman left didn't like the the DC or Jimmy leaving uh or state tax. It it could be any of those, and it could just be. I mean, six million dollars in Detroit is probably a lot better than six million dollars, you know, in California. California taxes are pretty crazy, so. Yeah, Big Mac Sports says we have every type of receiver. We do. We have everything. Um, Steve-O believes Ball will be linebacker three. If he's linebacker three in this year, that's an impressive jump. You got to be excited about it because I thought Oren Burks did pretty good last year in his snaps that he was playing linebacker three. So if he got beat out, I think that's a great news for the 49ers. But if not, it'll be Burks, and then we'll see what happens. Burks, another guy built the 49ers way. Big, physical, fast. Um, sideline and sideline guy is going to probably play 18 to 20% of snaps because everyone plays in sub packages and plays ni uh, nickel because of so many three wide receiver sets. Brad says, so, so not sure if you have spoken about it yet. With Brendel re-signing, do you reckon Burford gets kicked out to tackle and right guard will be Poe or Zakel? No, I don't think. I think with Brendel coming back, I think Burford's going to stay at guard. I think it's going to be Colton McKivitz at right tackle. If I had to guess right now, they keep the other four guys as were last year uh, for chemistry. And then they go ahead and they have Colton McKivitt step in as right tackle, a guy that's probably practiced a lot with them, especially McGlinchey would take you know time off at training camp. I saw this group work together. So, I mean, having this grouping together, there's probably already a chemistry there between McKivitt's, you know, and getting reps with Spencer Burford as he was part of a rotation with Daniel Brunskill. To me, that's the best way to keep uh, chemistry going. And I think that that's kind of how they'll handle it. I do think Burford has the ability to play right tackle, but I think he's a better right guard. So to me, that makes more sense. And I just don't know we're going to get out of Poe or Nick Sakel. I haven't seen them since last training camp really be able to play. I mean, they played in the preseason, but we didn't get to see very good reps from them. We've seen them improve, uh, but we definitely didn't see reps that make you think they could start in the NFL in year two. Chris Verster will know that, though. Uh, and if they're able to, then he's going to go that way. Um, James says we signing seven quarterbacks this season. Kyle will still break them all. I, I think they're they're probably done with their signing as far as quarterback. I think now they'll draft you know one quarterback. They'll probably sign an undrafted free agent as well to help them get through the offseason. Normally, you have four quarterbacks uh, that go through all the throws uh, during the offseason through uh, training camp and all that. So I expect them to do that, but we'll see how they handle it. I don't think any. I don't think they're all going to break this year. I think the 49ers are going to, you know, be able to stay healthy. I'm at least I'm hoping. I want to be optimistic about this. Bill says, "Ant, I need to see my boy this year, Danny Gray. You know, that's my boy. Uh, I like Danny Gray as well. He was one of my favorites in the the process last year. So, I'm um, I'm good with Danny Gray getting some opportunities this year. I think he will. I think Kyle does this with rookie wide receivers, and I think they really worked on his route running." They worked on his physicality as far as blocking. You've seen those things start to improve as the season progressed. Now he'll get a full offseason working out in what the 49ers want him to work out with as far as technique, skills, how to be violent in his route running. And I think all those things are going to be good for the San Francisco 49ers. And I look for Danny Gray to make more of an impact in year two and hopefully get the ball in some open areas where he can use that electric speed to make plays. Uh, so I'm... I'm ex I'm excited about it, and Jimmo's having some fun. Any any chance of getting Jimmy Ward back? I'm sorry, uh, Jimmo said any chance. Uh, wait, when Jimmy breaks in Vegas, it's Kyle's fault. Uh, James says any chance we getting Jimmy Ward back? No, Jimmy Ward has signed 
with the Houston Texans. He got a pretty modest deal. It was very close to Emmanuel Mosley's, just over $6 million to go back there. It with you know, bonuses and things that can go over $7 million. So he's he's going to be playing for Houston Texans with D'Amico Ryans. Brad, so, so do you reckon our secondary will be Huff and Gibson at safeties, Ward and Lenore at corner, and Womack at corner? I think that's where it is, Brad. I really do. Uh, minus them going out and making another move. I mean, it's pretty much your starting secondary since week five for the 49ers, minus adding Samuel Womack in place of Jimmy Ward. I think that's the, the big change. And how the 49ers address the cornerback position will tell us everything we need to know about their comfort value in Sam Womack. They were comfortable enough to start him for week one and two of the season last year. So I know he did get overtaken by Diamond Lenore before the Emmanuel Mosley injury, but uh, to me, that is a potential starting group right there. And I think it's pretty good. I mean, Huff and Gibson had fantastic years last year, and uh, Diamond Lenore came on the scene in a big way, and we all know how good Charverius Ward is. So to me... Yeah, I mean, that's probably what the starting group is going to look like. And that's the thing. When you're looking at the 49ers roster, you can't really find a, a bunch of holes. Uh, to me, you, you look at the roster on defense. They had a hole in interior defensive tackle. They filled that with Hargrave. Uh, they do have a hole opposite of Bosa right now that still needs to be filled. Whether that is them going young, and they've done it in other positions with Drake Jackson, to me, that would be a little bit of a stretch compared to other positions because we haven't seen it. It'd be more akin to what we saw from Aaron Banks last year, where we hadn't really saw a lot of Banks, but then he stepped up and did it. If the 49ers felt, Chris Kassarek felt Drake was that guy, then then you're all for it, right? I trust Chris Kassarek, just like I trust Chris Furster. But uh, to me, edge rusher still is a spot. Um, the linebacker groom looks pretty good. Secondary looks pretty good overall. And then when you go to the offensive side of the ball, center was a big hole filled. Holton McKivitz looks to be primed. Take over Mike McGlinchey's spot. Running back room is full. Wide receiver room is full. Uh, tight end still needs to be addressed behind George Kittle. So uh, to me, those things still have to happen. But the four years are doing a pretty good job of filling their holes in free agency. Uh, so they're going to have, you know, an opportunity to, to kind of just build on this. Do, do they get better? Yeah, they can still get better. If they want to spend some money in free agency, they can get better. They could build their depth through the draft. I think those are things that could still happen. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's what's going to happen. What's up, Jag? How's it going? So check out Felix uh, Anaduke Azmoa, uh, Edge, K-State, 6'3", 255. All right, I'm going to have to check him out. I haven't checked him out yet. Uzama, right? I haven't checked out Uzama yet. So uh, I'll get on that and check him out. I've checked out some Edge guys, um, but definitely haven't went through all of them. And uh, I think that's something that is is one of my things I have to work on uh, over the next like several weeks is w even while free agency is happening, still stay on my draft grind. Uh, there's just so many guys out there. It's, it's crazy. The draft is so much fun and there's so much content that could be had with it. Uh, John says, Hey coach, who do you, who do you think would be up next to restructure their contract? So they have several guys that could restructure their contracts. They could also go to Eric Armstead, uh, to me, Christian McCaffrey makes the most sense. You could turn his, he doesn't have any guaranteed money left on his contract. You could turn some of his into signing bonus. You could free up over $7 million that way. George Kittle and Fred Warner could also be restructured. The 49ers going into the offseason had about $60 million they could free up in restructures. And then you have the extension possibility with Bosa, which I don't think is going to happen until closer to the training camp, just the way the 49ers go about business. Uh, so, I think that contract extension will come and free up money. My guess is if the 49ers could come to an, you know, some a couple restructures to fill out the roster for free agency the way they want, they could use the Nick Bosa extension to be able to create money to sign their rookies and then also have the leftover money be available for your operating costs you need during the season to sign players on and off the practice squad and also just in case you need to sign someone during the season to take over a room. So, uh to me it's it's uh, pretty good. James says wide receiver room full. What about the whispers about OBJ? I think the 49ers always look at OBJ, and I think Kyle Shanahan's affinity for him has been pretty clear. But the rumors are OBJ wants 15 to 20 million dollars a year. He's already won a championship with the Rams. So to me, OBJ is not one of those guys that's going to take less money to come play for the 49ers. So I think that he's kind of more of a pipe dream for 49er fans. And would I love to have OBJ? Yes. 
Uh, if the 49ers wanted to trade Brandon Ayuk and go OBJ, they could, but why not just pay Brandon Ayuk? His fifth-year option is going to be about $14 million. Uh, to me, that would make more sense. So I, I don't think OBJ is a, re a realistic uh, possibility for the 49ers, but I never say never because I didn't think Hargrave was going to be one of those guys either. Uh, Brad says, yeah, with them letting Jimmy Ward and E-Man means they want to go cheaper at corner and trust Lenore and Womack. Yeah, and we've seen the 49ers do this before. They've been willing to take chances in their secondary. They beef up their defensive line, and then they go a little bit lighter in the secondary. And if it works, if they're able to bring in guys in the secondary that can make plays through the draft and then be able to have a combination of high-priced guys on the D-line with uh, draft picks as a rotation that they could develop, that it could work. They can make a lot of impact and be able to get it done because we know that a defensive line is what the 49ers like to build through. They went a little bit outlier with Charverius Ward last year, but it seemed to work out pretty good. I don't game says Ward's departure is an awesome opportunity for Knight and Hawkins. There you go. Uh, Quantrez Knight and Taylor Hawkins are two of my favorite guys that the 49ers had last year. In fact, if you go back and you watch the undrafted free agent video, we did, uh, we went through every draft pick and the undrafted free agents. And those two are my star players off the undrafted market was Quantrez Knight and Taylor Hawkins. I liked Hawkins a lot. I thought he was going to um, be a guy that could potentially, you know, push to get on the practice squad and then and make this team eventually. And I think this could be an opportunity. And if they don't sign another safety, he could be the fourth guy in the room next to George Odom. I think that would be a lot of fun. He was a fun guy to watch out of San Diego State. I'm a Quantrez Knight. The instincts are through the roof. Guy loved playing the nickel. And let's see if he's able to go out there and produce. He was a guy that was highly recognized for his play last year on the practice squad. I, I fully expect Quantrez Knight and Taylor Hawkins to be not only talks of training camp, but uh, talks to potentially make the 49ers 53-man roster. And if the 49ers are looking for a nickel corner, Quantrez Knight and the ability that he has there to tackle blitz off the edge uh, in that nickel spot and also cover could be somebody that pushes Sam Womack. That could be fun for everyone to watch. Brad says, and really the only starting players they have lost from the seven games is uh, Mike Sosa and Jimmy Ward. Yeah, starting edge, uh, Jimmy Ward, who was the nickel corner, and then McGlinchey. So uh, they have had some losses. They were able to, you know, also upgrade defensive line. Um, if they are able to handle the edge situation, then I think I'll feel pretty comfortable. It, it hurts losing a guy like Jimmy Ward. I think he was a a nice player to have, and he meant a lot to the 49ers organization overall. Um, so there it is. And uh, Jimmo says, Jimmy doesn't want nickel money. I think they will work it out and get Ward back. Uh, he got nickel money, uh, but he's going to be playing safety for the, the Houston Texans. He got a little over $6 million, so they're not working it out. Yeah. Uh, Jag says, how, Super Chat, thanks so much, Jag says, how confident McCurry Ball can step into a Z spot? Um, I, I'm not like fully confident that McCurry Ball is going to be able to take a Z spot this year. I think it's going to be Oren Burks in this season. I think that they, they knew what they were doing last year, bringing in Oren Burks, a guy that was going to help them on special teams, uh, but could also start once Aziz moved on. I think they knew they had Aziz for one more year. They brought in Oren Burks. He's going to now fill that gap until McCrary Ball or one of these other young guys is going to be able to go, like Curtis Robinson. So they do have young guys that are going to potentially be able to fill that role of that uh, weak side backer. We'll see what happens, but... Uh, to me, right now, McCurry Ball has an outside chance, but I would say Oren Burks is the front runner uh, to play those snaps and play in those base sets, and he had some experience last year doing it. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Flanagan fouls, too. James says, who else are we looking at in free agency? Are we getting any big men on the O-line? I look for them to try to find some depth on the O-line, but I think they're all going to be super cheap. I look for them to sign guys to league minimum deals and have them come in and compete with some of the young guys that they have, but they've spent a lot of draft capital over the years on guys like Jalen Moore and, and other guys. I mean, last year they had to cut Justin Skule. We talked earlier about Poe and Zakel. To me, the offensive line has been in development for several years since Chris Furster took over for John Benton. When Benton went with uh, Robert Sala to the Jets, they've kind of remade the offensive line in his image, and I think it's worked out for the most part. Uh, they were definitely a lot better last year than they have been. And we'll see how that development continues. McKivitz went from being a guy that could barely make the 53 or not make the 53 
in 2021 to potentially being a starting right tackle. That is some really, really good development. Uh, Brad says, I think they have high hopes for Drake Jackson and Edge. I think they do too. I really do. Uh, I just don't know if it means this year. Sometimes it takes time to develop. And with Drake's, you know, the things that Drake had to do at USC, he just didn't have the consistent snaps playing on the edge. And I think that really did hurt. Uh, John says, one more, Coach Ant. Got any news on Daz Newsome and Tay Martin? Do they have a place on this roster? I mean, they're going to be able to go out there and compete. We'll, we'll see what happens when they get into camp. I think the 49ers are also going to draft a wide receiver. They met with a couple of guys as well. So to me, it comes down to do the 49ers have room for six wide receivers on their roster or does someone get hurt? I think those are what are going to play into it. And I think in those categories, if someone was to get hurt, uh, then Newsom and Martin would have an opportunity to make the team depending on who they draft or if they draft a wide receiver. So I think that's how it's going to play out. But last year, the 49ers were definitely comfortable going with five. And if you sign a legitimate tight end two to George Kittle and you have Christian McCaffrey, there's just not as much opportunities for an extra wide receiver unless they play on special teams. And both those guys can. Porto says, whoa, just heard Lamar turned down a fully guaranteed contract. Is he off his meds or something? I think he turned down three years, 133 million is what I heard. Is expecting to get more money than that. We'll see if he ultimately does. Uh, James says anyone uh, next to Fred is going to be solid. I ain't worried about linebacker. I don't worry about it either. The reason I don't worry about linebacker, we got very good coaching and solid development. They've been able to recognize talent and develop that talent. They haven't really missed at the linebacker position besides Ruben Foster, and they didn't miss talent-wise they missed as far as his, you know, how he was going to be able to handle the NFL and making good decisions. So, uh, yeah, to me, it's it's pretty easy overall. Um, so, guys, I'm going to check out. I've been on for about an hour. Thanks, everyone, for coming through and talking 49ers free agency with me. We'll get more into it. If there's breaking news, I'll hop back on and, and do that as well. Uh, but if not, I'll, I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers way. Because the super chat came through from Jag, I'm going to go ahead and answer it. He said, are you confident McKivitz is the answer or sign a free agent? I'm going with McKivitz. Jag, I'm going with the McKivitz. Thanks so much for the super chat. I think it's going to be McKivitz, uh, but I'll catch you guys later. Thanks for the super chat, Jag. I really appreciate it.